Hello, Grace family. It's a gift that we get to worship openly and in freedom in this country and come together even in our homes to do that. And as we do, we want to be people who bring our whole selves, all that we are, and ask God to move and work in us and not just be going through the emotions of this is what we do on a Sunday, but come expectantly for him to actually speak to us. And I don't know about you, we've talked about so much over the last several months, but for me, I have just experienced at times some dissonance in my soul, some disappointment, some discouragement, even sadness. And God wants to remind us that this is a time in worship for us to be still and know that he is God, to be reminded of who he is and who we are in the midst of his character. And so we're going to just take some time to find the quiet in our hearts and remind ourselves of who God is, this God who is our strength and refuge, the Lord Almighty, the one who with his voice can cause the mountains to be made and he can also cause them to melt into the heart of the sea. And he is the one who wants to meet us this morning. So let's take a moment to just pray. Father, we thank you that we can actually bring our whole selves, whatever we're experiencing in our minds and hearts, that you want us to come to you with all that we have and that that can be our offering, that can be our act of worship. And so, Father, we ask that you would come and speak to us this morning, that you would use our wor your word to remind us of who you are. We thank you that you are our refuge. You are our strength. You are a God who loves us and sees us and cares deeply about us and that you want to change us. You want to move in our hearts and lives. And so we ask just this morning as we are in worship together that you would begin preparing our hearts to hear what you have for us. Help us to be listening. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you. 
So today we'll be continuing our study of Ephesians and we'll be in Ephesians 3, 1 through 13. So join me in reading this passage. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. 
I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of his mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. Today we continue our series in Ephesians, and we have a bit of a different passage this morning, which will give us a chance to do something a little different, which is to step back and kind of reflect on our own lives right now. Just think through, like, what, what journey am I on right now? What, what are the blessings? Uh, what are the challenges? God, what are you up to in all of this? And, um, you know, we find ourselves landed in these stories right now with a lot of twists and turns um, that we maybe didn't plan for and uh, certainly that we couldn't have predicted. Uh, and yet God's at work, you know, but especially this year, 2020. I, I regularly think, if my November self could go back to my February self and tell him, here's what your year is going to look like, he would not believe me. There's no way that he would believe what was going to happen. And yet this is what has happened. And God is at work in it. So I want to just take some time to reflect on that this morning. And we'll do that by looking at Paul's own story, which had its own twists and turns. And what he does in this passage is, is give us a little window into his own life and his own sense of what God has been up to in his life. And really this, this whole passage is one digression. It starts in verse one with, for this reason I, Paul, and then he has this digression. And then in verse 14, he gets back to what he had originally wanted to say, for this reason I kneel. But in the middle of it, he, he opens up a window in his own life and it's, I would call it a holy digression. It's a digression that I'm so grateful we have in this book. And what I think leads to the digression is how he starts when he says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. And I imagine uh, that everything about that phrase must have struck Paul as utterly remarkable. The prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. I mean, I sometimes picture him just stepping back and looking at his life and kind of laughing like what? I can't believe what my life has become. But that phrase, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus. Paul is in prison as he writes this. He's in Rome, most likely in, maybe on house arrest or in an actual prison. But he is in prison for preaching the gospel. And he must have experienced that reality with a bit of irony. To think of himself, here I was, this guy who persecuted Christians and would, would seek them out, round them up, and throw them in prison for their faith. And now here I am, a prisoner for that very faith I used to persecute. And even this phrase, for the sake of you Gentiles, he must have thought of that and go, that is so strange that I'm saying that, for the sake of you Gentiles. I mean, Paul uh, was as Jewish as they come. He grew up as Jewish as they, as they come. He was so deeply entrenched in the culture of Judaism, in seeking to pursue Jewish purity. 
Uh, he never would have associated with Gentiles in his life. And now here he is, the preacher to the Gentiles, off all over the Mediterranean throughout his ministry, actually eating unclean food with unclean Gentiles all the time. And he must have thought, what has happened with my life? And the answer is, of course, he had a Damascus Road encounter, the Damascus Road encounter with Jesus. He met Jesus. Uh, or maybe a better way of saying it is Jesus met him. Jesus called them and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I am the Lord whom you're persecuting, and I have a very different plan for your life, Paul. And what Jesus did was he made Paul his prisoner. He said, Paul, you belong to me now, and I'm going to set your life on a particular trajectory that you could never have anticipated. And I just love that story. And I think it's so like Jesus to do something like that, to, to take his most passionate enemy and to turn him into his most devoted follower and to take a Jew of Jews and to turn him into the preacher to the Gentiles. Such a beautiful example of what Jesus loves to do in the world. But I imagine Paul every once in a while would just step back and look at his life and think, man, if myself today could go back to my pre-Damascus Road self and tell him, here's what your life is going to become, there's no way that he would believe me. He couldn't even fathom what was going to happen. And so today I want to reflect on Paul's life really as a way of reflecting on our own lives. And in doing that, I want to acknowledge you know, there's something about Paul's calling that is unique in the time that he was living that was a unique moment in salvation history. So there's something one of a kind about Paul's experience. And yet I think the dynamics of his life are ones that can be common to all of us who put our faith in Christ. So that's what I want to do, reflect on his life and our life as we do that. And if I could sum it all up, as Paul kind of articulates his own life in this passage, uh, as he reflects on his life, the, the, in a word, uh, what comes to his mind is grace. It is the grace of God in his life. Look at verse 2. Surely you've heard about the administration of a God's grace that was given to me. Verse 7, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me. Verse 8, although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me. Paul looks at his life in this passage with all its beauty and privilege and wonder, but also its challenges and responsibilities and twists and turns, and he sees it as all one big picture of God's grace, his grace on his life. And so today I want to, I want to talk about grace. I want to talk about the grace given to Paul and how it manifested itself in Paul's life and how God's grace manifests itself in our lives today. And there's three ways that I see uh, God's grace manifesting itself in Paul's life. So I want to talk about these three ways and, and have us reflect in our own lives and how we see God's grace manifesting itself in these ways. All right, so first way I see the grace of God at work in Paul's life is simply through that, that basic grace of offering Paul forgiveness in Jesus Christ. I mean, look at how Paul says, verse 8, Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me. He takes a word, uh, kind of makes up a word that basically means the leastest. And our English translations are less than the least. Paul never lost sight of who he was before Jesus grabbed a hold of his life, the sinner that he was. 
I love how he puts it in 1 Timothy 1. He says this, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I'm the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example. You know, Paul, I think throughout all his travels and his his missionary journeys, he never lost sight of this story of God's grace and forgiveness in his life. I mean, I think he always remained so aware of his past. He remembered, "I, I was a violent man. I was a persecutor of Jesus' own people. And I thought I was so right. And I was so wrong. I was like completely wrong. And and I thought I was so righteous. And in reality, I was filled with pride and greed and judgmentalism and self-righteousness. And he never lost sight of that. And and I think he never lost sight of God's grace. As he describes in the verse I just read, the, the unlimited patience of Jesus for him. And as we just kind of step back and reflect on our own lives, um, it's always good to be reminded of God's, his grace and forgiveness in our lives. I mean, I know it's so cliche to say it, but it's, it's so important. Paul never lost sight of that. And, and we should never lose sight of that. And what I want for my own life, the, the older I get, uh, the longer I go on this journey with, with Jesus, I want to become more and more aware of, of God's graciousness to me. I want to become more aware of um, my limitations, uh, my inadequacies, but more than that, all the ways that God has provided for that, that he continues to forgive me, that he continues to fill in the gaps where I can't, and just the the reminder of his basic forgiveness to me as a person. I, I never want to lose sight of that. I want to be a person who, you know, the older I get, is more quickly moved to tears as I recount stories of God's grace in my life. And Paul never lost sight of that through, the, through thick and thin of his life. He, he was reminded of the grace of God in his life, the forgiveness. And um, we want to be people who always stay really close to the forgiveness that we have in Jesus. All right, so that's the first way God's grace manifests itself uh, in Paul's life, at least in this, in this passage. Uh, the second way is uh, grace in Paul's life takes the form of a calling, of a, of a vocation or of a purpose in life. Look at verse 7. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me. Meaning God's grace didn't just forgive Paul and leave him the same way, but it made him different so that he became a servant of the gospel. The grace transformed him into something that he wasn't before. This connection between grace and and calling is even closer in verse 8. Look at verse 8. Although I'm less than the least of all of the Lord's people, this grace was given me, to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. So notice notice there that the calling is itself the grace. Paul is not saying, I was given grace and then I was given, you know, this calling to preach. No, he's saying the grace is this role to preach to the Gentiles. The grace is you will preach the gospel to the Gentiles and that is the grace that I'm giving you. And it's helpful to, to think about this in, in, a, in a little bit of a larger context. Look at verse 2. Paul says this, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. So that word administration means um, organization or, or distribution. And here's the idea. God's got a lot of stuff that he's up to in the world. 
and he's going to use people to do the various things that he wants to do in the world. And he's got all the grace in the world to do that. And so he administers that grace. He distributes that grace to each one of us as he sees fit. He says, for you, I'm giving you the grace to go off and do this in your life. And for you, I'm giving you the grace to go off and do this. Okay, The this is part of the grace that God is giving us. That's how Paul talks about the spiritual gifts. Look at Romans 12. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a person's gift is prophesying, let them use it, and so on. Again, Paul's saying, I've been given grace to tell you these things, and you've been given grace, which is in the form of a particular gift. And whatever gift that is, you ought to use it and express it, because that's part of God's grace in your life. We can think of not only our gifts, but our, our roles, our callings, our, our vocations as part of God's grace for us. So for Paul, right, God distributed grace for him so that he would be the preacher to the Gentiles, right? As I said earlier, that, that role came with a lot of privilege and, and beauty and honor, uh, but it came with a lot of challenge and stress and responsibility, but it was all a part of God's grace in Paul's life. And for each one of us, God gives us particular gifts and he's given us particular journeys to be on, particular responsibilities and roles and vocations. And that's all part of God's grace in our lives. And I've just been reflecting on this year for many of us has brought some very interesting callings and vocations and responsibilities, right? I've been thinking about what some of you have been called into this year. Some of you have been called into caring for your aging parents. Um, That's become a role, a responsibility that you didn't anticipate this year, and yet here it is. Um, Some of you have been called to lead companies through a very challenging time. Some of you have been called to walk alongside friends or neighbors through whatever they're going through. Some of you have been called to faithfully care for children who are now home seven days a week instead of two days a week, right? And all of this is part of God's grace. There's a beauty, there's a privilege, there's a goodness to those roles. And sometimes it's just a grind. Some of us are just stuck in the grind. Sometimes it's just one day after the next, one foot in front of the other. And yet this is part of the administration of God's grace to us. This is what he's invited us into. This is what he's called us into. And so I want to encourage you, whatever you're caring right now, to see that as part of God's grace in your life in two senses, in the sense that this is God's plan for you and not for somebody else. This is God's unique plan for you, but also to see that God's grace is available to you right now to give you whatever it is you need to faithfully walk through that journey he's entrusted to you. And that's so important for us to remember. If if God has put us on this journey that we didn't choose, right, that we find ourselves these responsibilities, these tasks, then we can trust His grace will be there to provide whatever it is we need provided so that we can faithfully walk through that. So I really want to encourage you right now, especially those of you that are just in the grind of it, to remember God's grace is there for you. Um, He has called you to this. He will empower you to do this. And so we're not left to do this on our own. We're not supposed to be white-knuckling it day after day. But we can depend on Him. We can fall back on Him and trust Each day, God, you're going to give me what I need for today to faithfully go through this. This is part of your grace in my life. Okay, so the grace of forgiveness, the grace of a calling and a set of responsibilities, 
And then finally, and almost most surprisingly, we see in this passage that God's grace comes even in the form of suffering. This passage begins and ends with suffering. Verse 1, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus. I mentioned how he's in prison. And then in verse 13, he ends by saying, I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you. You know, Paul's vocation carried with it a lot of suffering. Sleepless nights, hunger, loss of his reputation among his old friends, constantly in danger from Jews, from Romans, beaten, stoned, all the anxiety of caring for various communities, imprisonment, ultimately death. But Paul had this view of suffering that was this. This is, this is part of God's process of transformation for me, his gracious process. And I'm not saying that the suffering itself is grace, but that Paul was able to find grace in the midst of the suffering. There's a famous passage uh, in 2 Corinthians where Paul is describing how he was plagued by a thorn in the flesh. We don't know what this was, but it was painful. It was discouraging. He wanted whatever it was removed. And he prayed and Jesus chose not to remove it. And this is what Paul says in that passage. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. It's a powerful story of, of how the thing wasn't removed, but, but he found God's grace in the midst of it. And that grace was actually sufficient and enough for him. And power was made perfect in weakness. And I, I want to end on that because um, I know there's been a lot of suffering this year. A lot of you have suffered a lot this year. Um, and we hate suffering. <laughs> I hate suffering. I mean, we, we want to get out of suffering as quickly as we can. And we'll do just about anything to get out of suffering, to, to relieve suffering in our lives. And Paul's life and his perspective teaches us something, which is this, that as hard as it is, suffering opens us up to the grace of God. You know, like for, for better, or for worse, there's, there's nothing else in our lives that can kind of like pry open that, that tight hold we have of control right, and self-reliance in our lives. Nothing quite like suffering that, that forces us to release that and to find ourselves in this place of powerlessness. And the beauty is when we begin to open up our hands and free ourselves from control and in, in our own predictable lives, the way that suffering can do, it actually creates this space for God's grace to move in. Because when we're tightly held like this, there's, there's not a lot of room for God. And when we're opened up, there's room for God's grace to move in and for us to encounter God in, in more beautiful and deep and intimate ways and for Him to begin to transform us into the people that we really most long to be, these gracious, loving, compassionate, courageous, faithful, consistent people. And suffering is one of those gracious, severe tools um, that opens us up to more of God in our lives. So whatever you're ex experiencing, right, whatever suffering you're experiencing, um, know this, there is grace for you in it. It may not be grace, but there is grace for you in it. And sometimes we need to just sit in it and not try to circumvent the pain, not try to get out of it as quickly as we can, but we need to sit and release our hold and say, God, man, where are you in this? I need you. I need to experience more of your grace. 
So I want to invite you into that and to trust that God will meet you in that. Okay, so there's a little bit of reflection on Paul's life and ours. And wherever you find yourself in November of 2020, um, this is a fresh opportunity to go to God and to ask for His grace to provide whatever it is we need provided for in this time. So let's do that right now. In our passage in Ephesians 3, verse 12 says this, Because of Christ and our faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. When we step back and really think about it, how amazing it is that we have that kind of access to God. What a mind-boggling privilege. The God of the universe, creator of all things, God of infinite wisdom and power, a loving Father, a good, good Father, generous beyond measure, giving us, His people, open access to Him anytime, day and night, at a moment's notice, the freedom to come and tell Him whatever it is that is on our heart, bringing whatever concerns us, whatever need we have, whatever struggle, whatever secret, whatever questions that we may have. And we can bring not only just the heavy and the hard, but He's equally with us in our joys. We can come to Him with our celebrations, our praise, and acknowledgement of His goodness, and of course, with our gratitude. So right now, what is it that you need to say to God? In light of this incredible invitation, let's go to God. His presence is here in this place before you. Where do you need His grace and forgiveness to wash over you? Where do you need His strength to take on a challenge you are facing? Where do you need perseverance to face into suffering? Where do you need wisdom to discern God's will for your life and the courage and confident trust to move forward in faith? He invites you to come. So let's do that together right now. Father, words cannot express how great a gift it is to be able to come to you with confident assurance that you welcome us into your presence, that we are not a bother to you, but you long to be with us, and that whatever is on our hearts, you can take it, not just as a sounding board, but in a lovingly responsive way, that our prayers matter and move you And you give us what we need according to your good purpose in our lives. Lord, for some of us, we are resistant to come to you for whatever reason. Maybe it's guilt or shame. Maybe it's out of rebellion. Maybe because of some notion of you that you don't care about us or are 
divinely distant. Father, would you break down those barriers? Would you cause us to see you for who you are and become convinced that you are utterly for us? And then that truth would compel us to come to you in freedom and confidence as often as we think of it. Thank you for your loving patience with us. Your mercy and goodness follows us all the days of our lives. We are so grateful for that and for Christ that made it all possible for us. And it is in his name that we pray this. Amen. What gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom. My steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I
We hope you've been encouraged by the message today, and we invite you to engage the discussion questions immediately following this. Let us leave you with this encouraging benediction. May the God of grace equip you with everything good for doing His will, and may He work in us what is pleasing to Him through Christ Jesus, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.